The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Gene Carroll, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, during these nice early summer days, most of us like to be out of doors more often. I like to play a little golf myself and putter around my garden. And you? Well, don't you like to get out of your kitchen just as much as you can? That's why you'll be more thankful than ever this summer that you can put a shining film of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat on your kitchen linoleum. Regular glow coat care saves hours of work all year round. Constant tiresome scrubbing is unnecessary for one thing. Dirt and spilled things wipe right up with just a damp cloth. And Johnson's Glow Coat is so easy to apply. There's no rubbing or buffing. Just apply it and let it dry. Glow Coat shines as it dries. Glow Coat makes linoleum and other floors so beautiful, too. Colors come bright and fresh. Patterns stand out again. And the bright Glow Coat shine is something you must see to believe. Try it. Have sparkling, bright floors this summer and less work. With Johnson's self-polishing Glow Coat, it's the floor finish with the brighter shine. I wouldn't think a man could get into much trouble simply walking from 79 Wistful Vista to the Elks Club at 14th and Oak Streets, would you? Well, if that's what you think, you don't know our Mr. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> oh, I had a Cocker Spaniel and her name was Little Nellie. Used to roll upon her back so we could scratch her on the stomach. Oh, the monkey and the coconuts. Gotta get that pivot tooth tightened. Getting so I hiss like a skillet full of salt pork. If I ever get it. Hey, buddy. Who said that? Me, Mac. Over here in the doorway. Huh? Oh, hi, bud. If this is a stick-up, you need a little more experience. I'm flattered in the copper's arches. Nah, nah, nah. This ain't no stick-up, pal. I want to do you a favor. A likely story. Guys, don't stop guys in doorways to do guys' favors. You think I just come in from Peoria on a load of hay or something? <laughs> Not you, brother. I know a city man when I see one. And what I got here wouldn't interest no yokels. What do you mean? What do you got? And if you're going to try and sell me a genuine sable coat that you smuggled out of Russia in a bucket of borscht, <laughs> you're barking up the wrong citizen. Look, Mac, that hot burst stuff is strictly a racket, see? This is legit. Come here. I don't want to broadcast this. Okay, but I don't... I've been waiting here all morning for some guy to come past that looks like he knew a real hand-woven Irish tweed when he seen it. Irish tweed? Yeah. Hand-woven? Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Three bolts of the finest homespun Irish tweed that ever come out of Donegal, pal. Frankly, I, uh, smuggled it in, see? In that case, include me out, bud. Smuggling is illegal. It's cheating the government. Look, Mac, leave us be logical. Who is the government? The government is the people. Who is the people? Me and you. If we cheat ourselves, who cares? <laughs> I got three bolts of Irish tweed you can have for peanuts. Me mother needs the money. Where you got it? Down the alley in the empty rubbish can. Come on, let me show you. This is the greatest party. Ever. 
So we walks down the alley, Molly. Yeah. And when he lifts the lid off of that empty rubbish can, there it was. Three bolts of the most beautiful Irish tweed you ever scratched your fingers on. Look at it. Hand-woven. Mm-hmm. He says I could have the three bolts for ten bucks a bolt, and I played it cagey, see? I says it's too much, pretending I wasn't interested. Yeah. So he says if ten bucks a bolt is too much, I could have, I could have all three for thirty-five bucks. <laughs> so I grabs it. <laughs> Dearie, remember that picture in the photo album of you as a little boy? Playing horse with a harness around your shoulders and your brother Mickey holding the reins? Yeah, but what that got to do with this... Your p- brother knew you better than I do. He played it safe. I don't get the... McGee, this so-called Irish tweed is not worth the thread to make it into fishnets. It's junk. <laughs> you think so, eh? You think this guy would have risked smuggling it in from Ireland if it wasn't worth good dough? How do you know he smuggled it in from Ireland? He showed me his mother's picture that he was going to send the money home to. <laughs> How do you know it was his mother? It said so, right underneath the picture. Whistler's mother. The guy's name was Patrick Michael Whistler. Listen, my little (laughs) pigeon. (laughs) Whistler's mother is a famous painting. Yeah. If her son were living, he'd be 113 years old. Oh, by George, he don't look it. (laughs) He handled these these three heavy bolts of tweed like they were nothing. (laughs) I'll bet he did, all right. What's done is done, dearie. What are you going to do with it? Make a few bucks on it. Sell it to a few friends. Ought to be 25 yards to a bolt. That's 75 yards. Sell it for maybe 10 bucks a yard. That's $750. Minus 35, 715 bucks profit. Wow, what an investment. Let me see that cloth again. Here, take a look. You see how loose wove it is? You see them little twigs and stuff in it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see why Ireland stayed neutral in the war. (laughs) Nobody dared get into an argument wearing stuff like this. Well, you women don't know much about tweeds. That's strictly a man's material. It's outdoorsy. Well, it can't go outdoorsy too quicksy for measy. <laughs> you wait and see how it makes up, kiddo. I better measure it and see how much I can keep for myself. You got a tape measure? There's one in my sewing basket upstairs. Lena will get it for you. Oh, swell. Hey, Lena. Oh, Lena. I got the tape measure right here, Mr. McGee. <laughs> I've been checking myself, and I'm a perfect 36. <laughs> You are a 36, huh? Yes, exactly, honey. 30 around the middle and 6 around the neck. Yeah, but Lena... Oh, I always had wonderful proportions, like the Venus de Mildew people said. <laughs> you know, I won a bathing beauty contest once in Cleveland. You did? I was Miss Shaker Heights of 1926. <laughs> I had a real good offer from the movies, too. Oh, not really, Lena. An offer from the movies. Yes, they wanted me to play opposite Barbara Stanwyck. Oh. They said they'd never seen nobody as opposite Barbara as I was. <laughs> But did you ever actually work in pictures, Lena? Well, not actually, no. I didn't think it was dignified. They just wanted to be, be a standby. A stand-in? Yes, a stand-in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not undignified, Lena. Lots of stand-ins have become stars, you know. Well, I wouldn't have, honey. They wanted me to stand in for a horse in the skip-along Hassidy picture. <laughs> Gosh, and I knew I'd never get to be a horse. <laughs> No, you're a little dark for a Palomino, Lena. Okay. Hey, take a look at this Irish tweed material I just bought. Beautiful, eh? Is that Irish tweed, Mr. McGee? Yeah. Well, goodness me. Wouldn't my papa love some of that? He would, eh? Mm. Was your father Irish by birth, Lena? No, by extraction, honey. After he had his teeth pulled, he had the most beautiful brogue you ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, call me unless you want something. <laughs> Thank you.
Billy Mills and the orchestra and illusion. I just measured this cloth. It's only 60 yards, but at 10 bucks a yard, that's 600 bucks. You know the cloth I got from the guy in the alley? Yes. Not bad for a morning's work, eh? Look, dearie, 60 yards of cloth will make an awful lot of suits. And in this case, I do mean awful. <laughs> but what makes you think anybody will buy it? Because my friends know clothes, that's why. Take Wilcox, for instance, happiest dresser in town. <laughs> He'll knock me down to get four yards of this tweed. He'll probably knock you down for just suggesting it. <laughs> and Doc Gamble, now there's a guy who really needs a new suit. He always looked like he'd got dressed in the wrong upper berth with the train pulling in. I don't know, McGee. He goes to the best tailors in town. Yeah, he goes there. And you know what? They give him a 25% discount if they don't have to put their labels in his coats. That guy could get nine fittings on a $300 suit, put it on, and get pinched for vagrancy outside the shop. Why, if he ever... Come in. Well, heavenly days, it's the good doctor himself. Come in, doctor. Thank you, my dear. Hello, Bucklewart. You look well pleased with yourself today. You must have had Faultless in the Prinkness. No. No, he got tweeds in the alley, Doctor. I beg your pardon? Tell me something, Cebu. Cebu? Elephant boy. <laughs> I don't like to get personal, but did you see the Prinkness? <laughs> I don't like to get personal, but how much did the upholsterer blackmail you for that slipcover you're wearing? He doesn't like to get personal, he says. Oh, that's all right, my dear. I see so much politeness in the course of my professional day that his vulgarity is rather refreshing. Thank you. What was the question again? Gargantua? Yes. Gargantua. That wasn't in the Preakness. <laughs> I was asking, my dear medical, what you had to lay on the line for that double-breasted awning you got on. That beach umbrella with sleeves. I think that's a very handsome suit, McGee. 
Needs a little pressing, perhaps, but nice material. Frankly, my boy, it's none of your business. But this suit set me back $150. It has a concealed pocket in the vest where I carry a loaded revolver. So if you have any more insulting questions, I suggest you precede them with a brief prayer. I'm not being insulting, Fatso. I'm going to do you a favor. That's what Hitler said just before he marched into Poland. (laughs) Well, show him the goods, dearie, and then jump back. (laughs) Goods? Take a gander at this bowl of hand-woven Irish tweed, Dockey. Imagine yourself in the Easter parade wearing a suit made of that. (laughs) In the princess? Yeah. (laughs) Why, you'd have every rich millionaire in town breaking his legs so he could get to know you. Mm Mm-hmm. Irish tweed, you say? Yeah. Yeah, they made it strictly for export, Doctor. A proud people, the Irish. I see what you mean. Where'd you get it, Sonny? He bought it from a man in a doorway. From a guy that smuggled it in, butcher boy. Going to sell it at a sacrifice to a few close friends. And I haven't got a friend that's any closer than you are. Ten dollars a yard, doctor. I'll take three yards. What? You will? You mean you really like this material, doctor? For my purpose, it's perfect. You see, I frequently have calls late at night. Have to drive out into the country. Bad weather, bad roads. Oh, I get it. You want a material that's warm and wears good, eh? No, when I get stuck in the mud, I like to have something to throw under the wheel. <laughs> Send it over to me any time, McGee. Good day. Well, to throw under his wheels in the mud. That's what he thinks of your Irish tweed, dear. <laughs> Don't kid yourself, Snooky. He just says that so I wouldn't raise the price when I seen he wanted it. Hey, I better pull down the window shade so the sun don't fade this stuff. You know, some of these high-class materials are like... Dad wrapped that dead ratted window shade. I gotta fix that thing one of these days. There's no hurry, dearie. I stop leaping three feet every time it goes up. Yeah. Now I just twitch a little. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop at the hardware store sometime and get... Hello, the... folks. Remember me, the man who sells the stuff to raise the dough to buy the time to put you on so I can come in and sell the stuff? <laughs> Mr. Wilcox. You're just the guy I wanted to see, Junior. You're one of the few fellows around here who knows good material. Yes, and I want to talk to you about that. If you can't get me out on a laugh once in a while, Racine will start thinking I'm... No, 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 Mr. Wilcox. (laughs) He means clothing material, not comedy material. Although on second thought, maybe it is. You know a good Irish tweed when you see it, Junior? Sure. What's that got to do with it, McGee? What do you mean, what's that got to do with it? This is a fine tweed. Here, Junior, take a look at this bolt of cloth. What is it? A good question. Boy, this is the finest Irish tweed ever brung, brought, ever imported out of Ireland. <laughs> Close your eyes and smell that material, Junior. It's got the very fragrance of old Ireland. Well, I don't know if I can. Can't you just in. picture those happy weavers singing Meet Me in the Garden where the praties grow? <laughs> As the mist rises over the peat bogs and the wet smacks a tourist kissing the Blarney Stone come wafting across the River Shannon and the little people picking shamrocks on the road to County Clare and the pretty spalpeens lacing up their shillelaghs for a game of morning in the bright <laughs> And Pat O'Brien jumps off the roof of Gromit's Chinese theater. <laughs> well, it just smells like cloth to me, pal. Where'd you get it? He bought it from a man in a doorway. Son, I'm in a position to let you have a few yards of this at the reduced rate of ten bucks a yard. Oh, I don't think Now, I'd wait, be. boy. Don't give me your decision right off the bat. Think it over. Thought you were a little fanatic about quality merchandise. Oh, I am, After but... all, Mr. Wilcox, why is Johnson's Wax so outstanding? Why, because it's the finest product of its kind, of course. Exactly. And what do you tell people when you sell it? Why, simply say that Johnson's Wax is the finest wax polish that money can buy. 
I tell them it's a delight to the proud housekeeper that it keeps floors, furniture, and woodwork bright, spotless, and gleaming. That it protects, beautifies, and preserves. That it makes a house a home and makes every shining surface reflect hospitality. That's what McGee means, Mr. Wilcox. Appearance is so important. Certainly. First impressions are lasting impressions. You go into a home that uses Johnson's wax and you immediately get the impression of healthful cleanliness. Absolutely. Therefore, a coat made of this Irish tweed... I always say that Johnson's wax is the coat of armor that guards against dust and dirt and dampness. Yeah, but this tweed material is... All wood and enamel surfaces. Johnson's wax is a must. The best housekeepers have used it for generations. How many pounds do you want? Uh, better give us half a dozen, eh, Molly? Hell, it Least, okay, yeah. I'll have Kramer's Drugstore send him over first thing tomorrow. Thanks very much. Not at all, Waxy. Glad you told us about it. Come in again. I will. So long. <laughs> Quite a salesman, that lad. <laughs> he makes Johnson's wax sound so good. Hey, I was trying to sell him something. Well, he, he out-talked you, dearie. You uh, were up against a professional there. Yeah. Well, I've got to go upstairs and sort the laundry. Lunch will be ready in about a half an hour. Okay, Tootsie. <laughs> ah, there goes a good kid. She thinks I got rooked with this Irish tweed, but who knows best about materials? Her or me? Don't answer that, McGee, because... Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, teeny. Well, what you all dressed up for? Well, I'm going to the circus, I bet you. My daddy's taking me. He is, eh? And you are, hmm? I says he is, eh? If what? Taking you to the circus. Who? Your daddy. I know it. <laughs> He's taking me and Willie, too. Okay, okay. You like circuses? Sure I do, I bet you. I think circuses are more fun than anything. Yeah. <laughs> See, they got lions and tigers and elephants and hippopotamuses and kalamazoos and... And wolf, 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 wolf. And what's this? Hmm? What were those last animals? Kalamazoos. Oh. That's kind of like a big rabbit with little bitty front feet and they carry their babies in their watch pockets. <laughs> <laughs> you mean kangaroos, sis. Kalamazoo is a town in Michigan. Why? I don't know. That's just the name of it. That's all. Is that where they get all the Kalamazoo's for the circuses? Where? In Kangaroo, Michigan. <laughs> Look, sis, they don't get Kalamazoo. They don't get kangaroos in Kalamazoo. They get Kalamazoo's in Australia. I mean, that's where they get kangaroos. Oh, oh well, oh, why don't they get them in Michigan? That's closer, I bet you. Because they come from Australia. That's the only place they have them. Except Michigan, huh? <laughs> no, they don't have them in Michigan. That's Kalamazoo. You ever see one, mister? See what? A Kalamazoo. Certainly. When I was in Vaudeville, they had boxing Kalamazoos. Uh. <laughs> had boxing gloves on their hind feet. Uh. <laughs> I remember one time we were... One time we were playing kangaroo Michigan, and the count... Now, wait a minute. I... No. Look, you better run along, sis. You don't want to be late for the circus. No, no, I don't. I want to have plenty of time to see a lion, an elephant, and a Kalamazoo, and a Gerard. There you go again. It isn't Gerard, it's giraffe. There you go again, mister. This is my cousin, Gerard. He's meeting us at the circus. So long. <laughs> And you can't tell a man by his hat. Once upon a time before the world had gone informal, things were normal and the girl could figure out. Buy a man's fedora or his top hat or his Panama, exactly what that man was all about. 
Bankers were conservative in black or brown or blue or gray. Actors were extravagant in green. Or something just on gay. You can always recognize a carriage straight from pool room guys. But now just look what's happened to the scene. Low brows and high hats and high brows and no hats. So what is this world coming to? Zulus in ear laps and crooks in police caps. The day of discretion is through. There was a time when you could tell a cowboy by his ten-gallon lid. <laughs> but every dude has got a headpiece now, boy, just like Billy the Kid. Now meanies wear beanies and Bing wears an old thing like something dragged in by the cat. That distinguished beaver may be Jolson's mammy. Or next year's version of Uncle Sammy. You can't tell a man by his hat. Escorts and sailors and people in trailers are all wearing toppers and spats. That man in the pink beret may be none other than Wallace Wimple. Or Whistler's mother. You, you can't, can't tell a man by his hat. Can't tell a man, can't tell a man, can't tell a man by the style of his hat. My might was nice of you to drop in, Mr. Wimple. Thank you, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> Lucky, too, Wimp. For you, I mean. I'm going to do something for you. No, thank you, Mr. McGee. Hmm? People are always doing things for me, and I'm always getting into trouble. Oh. How's that, Mr. Wimple? Well, just this morning, Sweetie Face, that's my big old wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. Sweetie Face said, Wallace, she said, I'm going to do something for you. And I said, yes, dear. And she said, some of the girls are coming for luncheon. And I'm going to let you make the lemonade. <laughs> and I did, too. Well, what's so amusing about that, Mr. Wimple? Well, I'm going back after lunch and walk right up to her and say, Listen, you big moose. After this, you can mix your own lemonade. Wow. What'll she say to that, Wimp? <laughs> Nothing. She'll be asleep. They'll all be asleep. <laughs> Heavenly days, you mean? <laughs> yes. Mickey's. Well, look, Wimp, I got three bolts of genuine hand-woven Irish tweed here that I bought. From a man in a doorway. Yeah. You know anything about good Irish tweed, Wimp? No, I don't, Mr. McGee. Sweetie Face buys all my clothes. Really? Don't you ever buy any clothes for yourself? I bought a pair of gloves once. Hmm. I got so tired of wearing those mittens with a string running through my sleeve. What happened when Sweetie Face found that out, Wimp? Oh, she just had a tantrum, Mr. McGee. Yeah. She snatched my bird book out of my hand and <laughs> hit me on the head with it. Your what, Mr. Wimple? My bird book. <laughs> You see, I had been reading about the silver-crested wiki of Pennsylvania, which builds plumbing into its nest with soda straws. And then when she... May I come in? You are in with... That's somebody else. Oh, excuse me. Sure, Mr. Wimple, come in. My gosh, Latrivia. Hi, Latrivia. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Molly. Hello, McGee. And Wallace. Good day, Your Honor. Haven't seen you since you sneaked out one night and met me in the Chinese restaurant, Wallace. <laughs> I hope there were no unfortunate repercussions to that event. 
Well, they were, but they've healed up now. <laughs> like Chinese food, Your Honor? Very fond of it, Molly. In fact, I learned how to cook rice myself. Well, you give me your recipe for rice, and I'll give you my recipe for hot chocolate, Latria. What's your recipe for hot chocolate, Mr. McGee? I take hot chocolate, I take chocolate, and heat it. <laughs> put the cart before the horse. <laughs> now, you tell me your recipe for rice, Latria. I hope it isn't quite that complicated. <laughs> yes, I hope so, too. Oh, it's very simple, Wimple. First, you boil the rice, then you put it in a colander and run cold water through it. What month, Latrib? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Oh, oh, this was last month, April. You punch holes in it, I suppose. <laughs> in what? In the colander. I suppose for a large batch of rice, you use a long month out of the calendar, huh? You went out of calendars, Mr. Mayor. I've got a lot of old ones. I don't suppose it matters what year. I am not talking about calendars. I said colander. Well, what's the difference how you pronounce it, boy? Molly says saucepan, and I always say saucepan, but it cooks the same stuff. What, what I was trying to say was that a colander and a calendar are two different things. I know they are, Mr. Mayor. I got one from the bank with a picture of a pretty girl on it, and I got one from the butcher with a cow on it. And sweetie face, let me keep the one with the cow. <laughs> Look, when I said cowlander, uh, colander, I didn't mean I cooked the goose. Ooh, I cooked the rice in the calendar. A colander is a hole with bowls in it. No. <laughs> a bowl with holes in it. Oh, now, uh, come now, Mr. Mayor. Uh, don't get so excited about it. Every cook has his own way of doing things. If you want to punch holes in a calendar, I'm sure... I don't punch cows in a holander. <laughs> I mean, when I cook rice, I run through some cold water. I, I mean, I run some cold calendars through... Uh, water through... He... No... No, I can't go through with this sort of thing today. I have much too much on my mind. What's cooking, Latrib, besides you? Oh, we have a small crime wave going on in town, McGee. A series of robberies. Heavenly days, robberies. Any very big ones, Mr. Mayor? No, no. As a matter of fact, these burglars don't seem to have much judgment, Molly. Last night, they broke into the Wistful Vista Sack and Bag Company and took a truckload of burlap. Burlap? Yes. Yes, and they've been selling it to people around town as Irish tweed. <laughs> For two dollars a bolt. Two bucks a bolt? Hey, the dirty crook! Where am I going? Tell me, how does your car look? Be honest now, is it a good deal dirtier and gloomier looking than you'd like it to be? If it is, I think I know the reason. Whoever does the car polishing in your house is waiting for an easy way to do the job. Well, sir, he needn't wait a day longer. The easy way to polish your car is here, and it's called Johnson's Car New. Even if you search the whole country, you wouldn't find a car polish that's easier to use than Carnew. You see, Johnson's Carnew is a liquid that both cleans and polishes your car in one quick application. Here are the simple directions. You apply Carnew, rubbing just enough to loosen the road grime, and let it dry to a white powder. Then you wipe this powder off. All the dirt and road grime disappear. And take it from me, the shine on your car does your heart good. Why not try easy-to-use Johnson's Carnew? It's wonderful. One quick application, and you'll have a clean, sparkling car that's a joy to drive. After I described the guy, the cops went right out and picked him up, Molly. Him and his pal. Oh, wonderful. So you helped capture the burlap burglars, yep. huh? They got the whole truckload of loot back, too. And you know what I'm going to do with the reward? Reward? Yep. I'm going to give it all to you, kiddo. 
You've been a good kid. You've been wanting new drapes for the living room, and this reward will come in handy. Oh, McGee, you darling. How much is it? Ten bolts. <laughs> oh, good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson White Products for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.